Welcome to Random Gaming Talk, it's Entertainment Talk's podcast for video games. I'm your host Matthew and joining me today, my co-host is Robert. How's it going? It's going good over here. We're in the part of the year where the weather never makes up its mind and it's either 30 degrees when you wake up and 80 degrees when you get home from work. Mm. Cool. All right. Um, Usually I ask you what you've been playing first, but we're going to switch around this week because I have three games to talk about. Uh, one of which is a continuation, which is Lies of P. Uh, and I, I'll save Call of Duty until last, because I have the most to say about that. Uh, the other game, which I guess I'll start with the other game, which is EAFC 24. I am renting the game. I thought I'd dip my toe in and try it. I've tried a few different parts of it. Um, it's a very uh, interesting game. There's some... I, I I would genuinely label them more as as funny glitches than anything else, although there was a patch that was put out today. I think it's a good game. Um, the only thing with me going from the FIFA game I'm playing at the moment to this one is, because let's face it, everybody still calls this FIFA, um, is not, not the muscle memory of like when to pass and when to shoot, but each game does feel different in its own slight way. E- even though the games don't majorly, majorly change every year, um, they do change enough each year to make it feel slightly different enough to where you've got to sort of learn the new muscle memory. And I, I've learned some of the muscle memory. I've played about three or five games, I I, I think it was. I played a handful of games. Um, it's, it's pretty good. It's got this interesting kind of mix of um yeah it's got this interesting kind of mix of how do i describe this when you move the ball how a player reacts to what you choose to do next and the animations that come with that um like there was a couple of times i tried to stop the ball and then like pull it back a different way or something and initially i thought oh the player isn't reacting to what i'm doing and then there'd be this animation that kicked in that sort of helped with with, with that. Um, it, it's still a kind of curious game for me to sort of figure out and fully get the grasp of. But I, I played like you know a couple of hours of it. I just wanted to sort of dip my toe in. Um, it's got some odd glitches on it to say the least. Um, it's clear that EA still hasn't learned from that. And look, it, it, every game launches with bugs, but some of them are more obvious let's say the than others um there was a crazy crazy glitch which i think has been patched out now because i did see it in the patch notes today um when you get now i don't, I don't know which game modes this was in because obviously there's game modes are online where you play against other people there's game modes where you play obviously against the computer and or, or and then you can also play <clears throat> obviously against someone uh couch co-op or with someone couch co-op as well to where the opposition player gets sent off for a foul um and then they become in that that particular that specific player becomes invisible um i i'm trying to remember if i've seen there's been a lot of fifa games a lot a lot of fifa games over 20 years worth i'm trying to remember if that's happened in a game before that specific thing i don't recall it happening in the last five years or so let's say um, there's been other things like when, I think it was a FIFA from two, three years ago, maybe, maybe like FIFA 20, 
21, 22, something like that, where a player would get sent off and they'd be standing in the middle of the pitch. You couldn't interact with them. Like if you ran into them, you'd run through them. But they'd be standing in the middle in their full kit. And then there was glitches where like your manager would be, because obviously the manager doesn't wear the football kit. That's what the players wear. The manager wears either a tracksuit or a suit or, or something like that. And they're standing on the sidelines. And you'd have like um, the manager would be standing on the side in a full kit. And then there'll be a bit where your manager's in in the middle of the pitch, the same sort of glitch in full kit. So there's, there's been some odd things that have happened. But the, the the one with the player standing in the middle, that wasn't game-breaking. It wasn't in the way. It was a little bit distracting, but you could you could get used to it. But having... Essentially then, if you then get... If the opposition gets a player sent off, they then have an advantage. <laughs> because then you have no idea where that player is. And you'll get tackled out of nowhere or, or, or whatever. Um, but that was in the patch notes for today. They that I think they've patched that out now. I've not tested that myself, but it was good that they addressed that. And look, glitches happen in games. You know, some of them are genuinely funny. Some of them are bad. Some of them are more game breaking. Um, it just depends what you get. Um, I, I don't know if I'd describe the invisible player as game breaking. It's certainly ob- obstructive. Um, but like I said, I think they've patched that one out now. Um, but overall it, it, it seems good so far is, is what I'd say. And uh, they've done some really good stuff with the presentation that feels a bit more immersive and that kind of thing, which they work on that every year and they do do a decent job of that. Uh, what else was I going to say? Um, I noticed the squads weren't up to date and I thought, oh, that's a bit, cause usually you at least to get, okay, you know. The, the, the changing managers or whatever and the updated teams and you get the updated kits. All I had to do was, uh, I shouldn't have needed to do it, but it wasn't too much of a uh, problem. I just went and pressed um, update squads and it was the teams, that, how I know them at the moment. Um, so that wasn't a problem. Uh, but overall it seems uh, I've been enjoying it so far. That's at least good. Um but it's too early for me yet to compare it to the other FIFAs because I've spent however many hours with the other FIFA games and I've spent about two or three hours with uh, this particular game. But it seems, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say good so far. Um, could it be better? Yeah, there's always, unfortunately, areas where FIFA can be better, but it could certainly be a lot worse. Um, so uh, next game for me to mention is I've been continuing Lies of P. I am up to chapter... Four, I think it's chapter four. I'm I'm still in the zombies area section. I think I'm at the end of that now because I'm at a boss fight. For any of you who have played the game or know what which area I'm talking about, my boss, not my boss, the boss in the area, is a spider crab thing. I can't remember the. Obviously, all, all these bosses have got names. I can't remember the name of it. It's the boss that has two phases and surprises you that it's got two phases although when I killed the first phase I was like hmm that was a bit more easier than I expected uh and then it has a cutscene and it's quite clear that no it has two phases it's one of them annoying I I did like nearly 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 beat it by the sliver of health um twice there was actually one bit which I did a couple of days I can't remember if it was yesterday or day before and you've got this like arm gauntlet that P or Pinocchio has, has got. And you can change it, you can upgrade it, which is really good. There's lots of options. Uh, the thing I chose for this, because this enemy is very weak to fire, was my fire gauntlet arm. Basically, you've got your sword, so R- RB, RT. I'm playing on Xbox for, for this one. 
Uh, and then you've got LB is like parry and block, depending on how you do that. And then LT is like you've got a grapple arm, you've got electricity arm, you've got a punch arm, you've got a firearm, and there's lots of other ones which I've not unlocked yet. And what I tried to do, because you can summon a spectre for that particular boss, if you've got enough, if you've got star fragments. And I got to a part where like, I was doing really, really well, and then it like hit me in a big way. I was like, oh, I'm right, like, you know, got a sliver of health left. And I managed to just get to a bit where my spectre was still alive. That was distracting it from the front, and I was attacking it at the back, which is sort of how you do those kinds of fights. You, you, you use the spectre as a, as a distraction. And I'm standing there. And I'm burning this thing, and I'm noticing its health is going down. I've only got about a quarter left of my arm power. And I'm like, oh, if I keep this going for like 15 seconds or something, I'm, I'm going to get it. And for some reason, I wasn't watching at all what the boss was doing. I was just looking at the health bar going down, which I should have been I should have been paying slightly more attention, basically. And it was like, it was going down. It was literally just about to die. And then I didn't watch what the um, boss was doing. And then suddenly the arm stopped. I was like, have I run out? What what happened? And I looked down and I hadn't run out. And I died. But I sort of... Because uh, I didn't get like... You know how you can get smacked around on these games and you do fall over and stuff? It was this like tentacle that had like touched me or something. And it, it was just that we were bo both... My character and this boss were on like the last, last... And I mean last bits of health. We both basically had one one hit in each other. And it got me with, with something. But I hadn't noticed until, I'll just say P or Pinocchio, had actually fallen over. Because I, I was just looking at where I was aiming for this burning arm. Because obviously I could miss if, if that was possible. Or because it's got a certain distance, I was trying to stay relatively close to it. And I was like, oh, the health is going down, it's going down, it's going down. And then everything just kind of stopped. And then I was dead. <laughs> so that was kind of annoying. Uh, it was another bit where I really did get admittedly too greedy. You know, just when you're on those fights and you're like, oh, if I can just get one or two more hits in. Just that one or two. You've got a, a quarter of stamina left. Just those two more hits. And the boss needs one more hit against you. And you just get that. You don't, instead of doing a dodge and being patient, you just go for those two more hits. Um, but... P as a character is quite quick, at least the the builds that I've got him using. I thought, oh, if I could just do just do two more jabs, you know, but it, it didn't work. Uh, so I didn't manage to beat that boss. I'm still on that. Um, I'm quite surprised with myself how much willpower I've had with. Not that these bosses have been horrendously difficult or anything, but usually it's kind of, oh, the boss got me again. I'm going to thump my controller down and walk away and not come back because I'm frustrated. But I am nearly halfway through this game, and I just don't want to give up, which is good, obviously. Um, the only problem is there's going to be, like, I've got sent Assassin's Creed, I haven't played that yet. Spider-Man's out, was it next week, I think? Uh, so it's I'm going to have a lot of stuff to play. Um, so it, it may be a case that, like, because I don't want to rush through Assassin's Creed or Spider-Man, uh, especially not Spider-Man, Um so I'm just going to, uh, I think Lies of P might end up being a game where I just, I play it for a bit, put it down, play some other stuff, play it for a bit longer, and then have it as this more long-term game, and I'll be finished with it in like February or something, I don't know. Uh, so, anyway, uh, have you seen much of uh, either EAFC24 or Lies of P? I have seen a little bit of Lies of P. I was curious about it, but then when I saw it was a Souls-like game, 
that's not really a game that I play. Yeah. And I don't do any sports games, so no, I wouldn't be watching FC. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've just found with Lies of P, as opposed to all of the other ones, it just feels more approachable and feels more even. Um, and I'm able to do things like getting more shortcuts to different bits and getting health at the right time or the stargazers are nicely like separated um there's don't get me wrong there's been a couple of bits where i've died and i was like oh, i have to go through those couple of sections but the difference is you know when i really got into demon souls and i was really trying to play that because i do really really that's a really really great game demon souls the only my only problem with demon souls as opposed to lies of p if i die let's say before i get to a boss or as i get to a boss of demon souls that's another 20 to 30 minutes of me getting through enemies whereas lies of p you can run past certain enemies but i usually find it literally takes me three to five minutes to get back to my let's say stargazer or or, or whatever um also when you do get to the bosses some of the stargazers are literally around the corner um whereas again you get to let's say the tower knight he smacks you with his big massive shield that's another 30 minutes for you to get back to that boss then five minutes fighting it and then dying and it can just get a bit exhausting this this doesn't feel like that at all maybe it will get more strict as i get to maybe chat because i think there's 11 chapters maybe when i get to like six seven eight or something it will really start getting brutal or something but it feels very very approachable right now um and this is by i mean i got pretty decently far in sekiro but this is in terms of any of these sort of soulsborne like games this is definitely the furthest i've ever gotten in uh, any of these games so that's good um all right call of duty modern warfare 3 it's time uh i'm gonna actually make this a segment i've already set up a draft i want to put this out as uh, not its own thing but as a separate optionable listenable part so i'm gonna just put this down all right so call of duty modern warfare 3 uh where do i start with this um Okay, do I like the game? That's a good place to start. No, overall. Um, I think this game wasn't supposed to happen. I think this game was a mistake. And usually there's the joke each time there's a new Call of Duty game of like, oh, it's just the same maps, same guns, reskin for whatever. And I usually disagree with that. Partly because, okay, you can't go and compare let's say Vanguard, Modern Warfare and Cold War, because they're all totally different games. They're also each from different developers who make their games differently. But then that gives all these series their own different identity, which is kind of the point of the cycle. Because you sort of go Modern Warfare, then you go one of the others, then back to maybe something else, then maybe back to Modern Warfare. And it's the cycle has worked literally for, well, 15 years at this point, because uh, if, if you include up to last year. Um... And going back to the whole reskin comment, that is basically what this is. This is, I would, like I said, the joke usually every year is like, oh, full price DLC reskin for Call of Duty. I would, this is the first time maybe ever in the whole 16 year, is it 16 years, 2007 cycle, that I would actually agree with that. Um, this was clearly supposed to be some sort of add-on for Modern Warfare 2. Because not only is it the same game, it literally uses the same game hub and the same menu. You go into Modern Warfare 2 to open Modern Warfare 3. And I know that when you, let's say, had 
um, Warzone and Modern Warfare and Vanguard and Cold War, there were if you had those games installed, you could switch between them. But that was a, a different thing. This is kind of you load Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, or it's just called the Call of Duty HQ now. I don't know who came up with that idea. And you click on that to browse to the Modern Warfare 3 beta. Whether or not that will be different when Modern Warfare 3 comes out. But the menus are... The, it's it's literally the same box, if you want to sort of call it that. Because um, the only kind of major, major difference, apart from some different equipment and things like that, is the gunplay does feel different. You've got the old maps and you've got the Modern Warfare 19 kind of sort of uh, movement mechanics back and it's very interesting when I came away from you remember when I came away from watching the Call of Duty next and I was not complaining but observing about how the the two things they were repeatedly mentioned over and over and over again was new movement on old maps new movement old maps new movement old maps and they weren't really talking about new equipment that much or the new guns because there is new guns but some of your other modern warfare 2 guns carry over so this is yeah the first time i would definitively say this is just an extension of modern warfare 2 and doesn't at all feel like well it it feels like a different game but it doesn't feel like a new game it feels like just a big expensive update which i'm sure activision was very happy to say yeah we'll still charge full full price for this um to con- kind of conclude, like if if I like this game, I end up getting a refund. Um, I don't plan on playing this game when it launches on was it November tenth. Um, I will rent the game. I'll still do the story because I'm still invested in what was going on in the story. But it just when I say this doesn't feel like Inf- Infinity Ward's Modern Warfare, it's because it isn't. It's because it literally is led lead developed by Sajama Games, and I was playing this game and I just. I just had this this feeling of like, this feels like a Modern Warfare game made by somebody else. And that wasn't just a feeling, that is, that is literally a fact. I mean, yes, Infinity Ward was involved in the development, but Sledgehammer, um, who made, I think it was Vanguard, um, which I did play some of Vanguard just to, you know, sample it and whatnot. It, it feels like if you took the gameplay of Vanguard but put it in Modern Warfare uh, 3, and I don't quite think it works. Um... There's certain elements of this gameplay that are similar to Modern Warfare 19, but it, it it's not to me it's not translating well. Um, the other thing as well, you know what I'm like with gunplay. I'm very picky with how I uh, you know take that on board and whatnot. The thing I liked about so if we rewind a little bit, the thing I liked that Modern Warfare 2 did after Modern Warfare 19 was that. Modern Warfare 19 was like this revival of Modern Warfare and all this kind of stuff and it was really great and it put COD back on the map. When I went to start playing Modern Warfare 2, which was a proper, you know, three years later or so um, game, I was looking for the gunplay to be different and to feel like it was upgraded. And that those two games were both lead developed by Infinity Ward. And I remember the major difference in the gunplay was, and I remember, I've described this over and over again, on Modern Warfare 2... The gunplay felt like it had like a heft to it and a punch and a sort of weight to it. And it felt like it was just better and had more of a sort of like punch to it. And it was more of an upgrade. This feels like this. This feels like it's trying to 
take it back to being Modern Warfare 19, but it doesn't feel as good as that game to, to, to play. Um, I mean, where would I have gone with the gunplay style of Modern Warfare 3? I don't really know, but then the, the, the difference is with that, but Modern Warfare 3 shouldn't have been happening right now. Um, or at least what you what you could have done if you did just want to do this as an extension and like, hey, we're going to put out something that's, let's say, $40, $50 as opposed to 70 and um, put it out as an actual, okay, we're going to give you a big, like, we're going to give you new stuff and we're going to give you the old maps, but we're going to keep we're going to keep modern warfare 2 how it is but then actually give you dlc as opposed to changing the gameplay part of it that that would have been what everybody was kind of expecting and what they would have accepted <coughs> um as opposed to making the actual game feel different that would have been a better choice and that was what we thought was happening last year because i remember when modern warfare 2 was coming out last year and they did say okay call of duty is skipping next year but there might be some sort of like dlc extension as they described it um for for modern warfare 2 and th this isn't what that is this is the this isn't an annoying kind of we're gonna give you what we're gonna call an upgrade but we are gonna change it and we are gonna call it modern warfare 3 um the other disappointing thing as well now we haven't got to the story parts of this when you revealed what you revealed at the end of modern warfare 2 and i was like shocked and thought oh that's really awesome i can't wait for modern warfare 3 I do not in any way, shape or form anymore feel like that story beat, which is a very, very, very big thing in Modern Warfare's history for its story. I don't think that's going to pack anywhere near as much of a punch as it would have if you'd taken longer with this game. Um, like if this game had come out in two years from now, let's say, and you'd had... Um, like if you had this year it'd just be a Modern Warfare 2 extension and then next year be this new Black Ops game that's on the way... And then maybe the year after done Modern Warfare 3, like an actual Modern Warfare 3, um, that would have worked better. Because this this neither feels like an extension of Modern Warfare 2 or a proper Modern Warfare 3. It feels like some sort of annoying middle mid, middle path, middle sort of choice. Where it's like, it's not a proper Modern Warfare 3 and it's it's a bit more than an extension. But then it's just, to me, this annoying thing. Um, I don't know, it's... Um, it, it's quite frustrating. In terms of what that means for me playing Call of Duty and stuff, I don't know. I'll just take some time and figure that out. I'm not in any particular major rush to make a choice with that. Um, I still do own Modern Warfare 2, so I can still jump into that if I feel like doing that. Um, and who knows, maybe later down the line I change my mind and I jump into this Modern Warfare 3, but I'm not planning on doing that at launch. Plus, as I said a minute ago, I've got a dozen games to play right now anyway. So, um that's that's sort of my impressions i mean it's just with, with, with the gameplay itself as well there's, there's not right let, let me just clear this up there's nothing wrong with the gunplay it doesn't feel specifically bad um like certain other games i've, I've played recently and they've, they've felt actually bad there's nothing wrong or bad with the gunplay it's just an actual it's neither an upgrade it's definitely not an upgrade on modern warfare 2 and it's this weird attempt <clears throat> to almost put Vanguard's gunplay into Modern Warfare, and it just doesn't work. To, it, it, it just feels strange. This whole thing just, I don't know, it doesn't make me feel good. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, 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 I don't know, I just, I hope that Microsoft can clear, you know, make this purchase clear, get Bobby Kotich out. <clears throat> 
um, let Infinity Ward lead development on on a new Modern Warfare game in like. So I don't even know when Modern Warfare Three is going to come out now. Um, but what whatever that's going to be, maybe in like four or five years or something. So I don't know. Um, some people are very 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 happy with this game, and look, if you paid money for this game, obviously, and you're getting what you wanted out of it, then that's great. There are people who really like the changes and they really like the new stuff and they like being on the old maps. That's great. It's just not really what I... It's neither what I felt COD needed or remotely what I wanted. I mean, the, the old the old maps are nice. That That's cool. But the thing is, to me, you didn't need... You didn't need to... In order to get these Modern Warfare 2 maps back in this game, or in... I say back in this game, in, into Modern Warfare 2, basically, you didn't need to do this. You should have just... You could have just put these in here... As a separate thing or something. Rather than saying to Sledgehammer Games. Okay you get in here and make. A kind of sort of new game. And change. What this what this game is. Um, I'd have happily continued playing. You know Modern Warfare 2. If it would have been the case of. Hey we're going to like. Bring this expensive. Expansion pack, pack thing out. It's going to include the old maps. But it's still going to be Modern Warfare 2. Um, so. Um. Maybe it's, I was kind of thinking, I was trying not to think too, you know, deeply about this, but I kind of looked at sort of how I was feeling about this with Modern Warfare 2 and what can happen with, sorry, Modern Warfare 3 and kind of what's going on. Maybe it's just time for me to just kind of, like I almost have this, I don't I don't want to describe it as toxic because that's kind of silly to describe it as toxic. I, I've almost ended up having this bad relationship with Call of Duty and... I, I maybe it's just time for me to step away from COD for like a few months or until the new year or until something different happens. Um, but then, like I said, I'm not going to force myself to play Modern Warfare Three. So um, there's uh, there's that. Um, do you have anything to add to to what I kind of said there at all? Yeah, I mean, like I've said before, shooters are not my game, and they're not really anything on that. Um, so I take your criticisms of the game as yeah, well, that's where the game is going. So we'll see if. They continue to go in that direction, or if they change course. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think there's just a long train of things that have happened to COD, and I don't think the community has quite realised what's happened. But my my thing is with with this is, okay, some of the COD games over the years had problems. Not not all of them have been great, and there's been some bad choices made over the years. But doing this specifically, which is cha- you, you've changed the cycle now, is what you've basically done. You had this good train running for, I'll say, fifteen years up to twenty, you know, twenty-two. Um, of j- just this sequence of, because I say, you know, if it isn't broke, don't fix it or whatever, which could very much apply to this. You had a solid run over a decade of Infinity Ward's Modern Warfare's. And the other two do their other series. Those have like changed names and stuff. But the the main big beast to me of Call of Duty is Modern Warfare. And that's Infinity Wards. And I, I don't really understand. And I'm kind of curious to maybe try and find out. How did the decision to have Infinity Ward make Modern Warfare 2. And then the year later another Modern Warfare game has come out. Which hasn't happened before. But it's also not from Infinity Ward either. It's from Sledgehammer. Like, why, why was that 
decision made? Did somebody not look? I, 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 I just, I'm a bit puzzled as to, you've had this train of the cycles of COD for, let's just say 16 years roughly now, and now you decided to change it, and you end, you ended up with this weird hybrid of like an extension, kind of, and a sequel, but kind of not, and it's just this strange game, um, and then obviously you shove Warzone in there, uh, in 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 the last couple of years, and then you come out with this DMZ, and then raids, and you you could have kept it what it was and just kept it simple, and you've ended up with this just just this weird product is is the way I describe it. So anyway, um, <clears throat> uh, all right. So you still need to talk about what games you're playing. Uh, so what I'll do here, I'll, I'll put a little marker here for this segment, um, and then you could talk about what you're playing. So just one second. Honestly, not a whole lot. I've been Slowly getting back to where I had been with uh, Starfield uh, before I had to restart mm-hmm. the game because of that one game glitch. I'm still trying to figure out the outpost system because I see all the YouTube videos, infinite XP, infinite credits, which credits I don't get. I've not had a problem with credits. They literally throw money at you like crazy doing missions. Um, now I'm not stupid rich. I haven't gotten into the the shipbuilding part of it yet, which I'm guessing is where you can sink a crazy amount of money into, but just like not even trying. I think I'm, my character's sitting like 300 grand in credits, which um, the, honestly the biggest problem that I have with the game is the stores themselves because they don't make it easy for you to extract resources. They're very limited on most planets. Um, they don't make it easy for you to build um upgrades to your suits and your equipment you can't even build equipment like you can't make because let's say i have one style of gun i really really like i can't make that gun i either have to get lucky and find that gun or get lucky that a store would carry that gun and then i can't make ammo for that gun i have to buy that gun and i can't make you know healing mm-hmm. items that are effective i mean you can make food but, you know, when you've got 500 hit points and you've got a single item of food that heals 10, you know, that math don't math. Um, and the healing kits do percentages. So, like, the basic heal pack does 20% of your total HP as a heal over the course of so many seconds. And then the bigger ones, you know, the better ones do either more of a percentage or faster um, of that percentage and you can't make heal kits um, you can't make any armor you can do upgrades to armor but they're all the same upgrades so that it doesn't really matter and honestly that's the biggest kind of letdown of the game for me so far is that they've got all these mechanics to do all this customization to your gear and it's all the same thing mm-hmm. uh, but I'm about to the point to where I can go do the mission again to try to make that next big story jump. Cool. Nice. Um, so that's what you just Starfield at the moment? Yeah, mostly Starfield. Cool. Well, yeah, it's not a small game, so. <laughs> no, and all the sports are popping off right now. we got the baseball playoffs going on. They just started. NFL kicked off a couple of weeks ago. Uh, NBA's kicking off right now as well. So there's lots of non-game stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. 
All right, that's what we've been playing. Um, let's. <clears throat> what do we do now? Housekeeping. Yes, that's what's next. Um, all right, so we're going to jump in and do that, and we will see you in just a second. Today's sponsor is Manscaped. You can get 20% off with your order with Manscaped by using the promo code that we've got with them, which is ETALKUK. That's E T A L K. UK to get 20% off your order and free shipping with Manscaped. They sell various different men's grooming products from shavers, razors, ear and nose head trimmers, different clothes and deodorants. You don't even need to Google Manscaped themselves. You can click on the link in your show notes, whether you're on a podcast player or the website uh, version of the episode, and you can go and click on that link in the show notes. That's also got the promo code written in the show notes as well, so you can either copy and paste the promo code ETALKUK, E-T-A-L-K-U-K. You can either copy and paste that into your show notes or type it in in the promo code box and click apply that will get you 20% off your order with manscaped and free shipping first hand quality professional with manscaped from their packaging to the items themselves even the way the items are stored in the packaging is very very first class very professional so no questions about manscaped's quality thanks very much to manscaped for sponsoring entertainment talks podcast and thank you very much for listening Hi there, if you're looking to get started with a website of your own and a domain name, we've got good news for you. With our affiliate link with Kualu, you can click on that link which is in your show notes, which is for our affiliate link. You can go over to Kualu to get started with your website and domain name today. They've also got a very handy chat support system, which is usually in the bottom right hand corner, to send messages back and forth to Kualu if you'd like to ask them for help to get started with your domain name and website today. So that's Kualu, and you can use them to get started with your website and domain name today. Thank you very much to Kualu for this affiliate link. Hi there, if you'd like to get rid of the ads in Entertainment Talks podcasts and listen to the ad-free versions of our episodes, we've got good news for you there as well. You can subscribe to Entertainment Talk at either the $5 level tier or $10 level tier. The $5 level tier will get you access to all of Entertainment Talk's previous ad-free podcasts and the future ad-free podcasts that we make in the month that you're subscribed for. If you also subscribe to us at the $10 level tier, that will get you that benefit that I've just mentioned, and it'll also grant you access to request a review for two episodes of a TV show and a general discussion on that show, or a film review of your choice. So if you if there's a TV show out there or a film that we've not covered perhaps and you'd like our opinion on it, we can watch two episodes of that TV show or film review. So it's one of either of those per month. Of course, if you continue subscribing each month, you can pick a TV show, then a film the next month and so on and so forth. This is a great way to support entertainment talk, get your ad-free podcasts and also get some reviews of your choice. Thank you very much for supporting us and thank you for listening. Back to the show. Alright, so recently on Entertainment Talk, uh, me and David have wrapped up for Season 3 of Breaking Bad. We will, of course, be back for Seasons 4 and 5 when we get round to doing those. That will not, however, be this year. That will possibly be next year. But we will see what happens with the other releases of our other shows. Because uh, we can we can control when we cover that show, but we cannot control when other studios release other stuff. Uh, that's Season 3, Episode 13, by the way, so that podcast is out at the moment. Um, over on other TV season reviews, uh, me and Grey uh, did our second season review for Heartstopper. Uh, you can find that, of course, on Netflix. We both agreed to give it a strong must-see watch, um, and uh, we both, well, obviously very, very much enjoyed that. So that was uh, Season 2 of Heartstopper. Over in the United cast, May United uh, left it late, which is in our DNA, very classic Manchester United. Uh, it's not a 
good thing to do, but it's an exciting thing to do. Uh, it was a 2-1 win against Brentford. Things were looking very, very bleak until Scott McTominay was subbed on and uh, grabbed two late goals. And that was a win for Manchester United. We're now into the international break. Woohoo. And uh, we return next Saturday. I think it's Saturday, yes, uh, to face Sheffield United. But in the meantime, we'll let England go and do whatever it is that they're going to do. Um, but what I'm going to do in that meantime is, of course, there's a bunch of games to play and stuff. So I'm just going to do that in the meantime. <laughs> so uh, that's over in the United cast. Um, over on the Diabolical 7, this is the podcast for Gen V and also for the boys. Of course, Gen V running at the moment. We're up to Season 1, Episode 4. Episode 5 will be out later today. Uh, so there's a coverage for that so far. Are you watching that show at the moment? No, I've not had any any real interest in it. Okie dokie. Uh, over on Gaming Talk last week, we talked about Call of Duty Next, which again, where I was very confused as to what was actually new in the game, apart from new movement and old maps. So there's that. Talked about Spider-Man 2. Uh, there was a cool new trailer for it. And we talked about Last of Us 2 Factions and what's, what's going over there on Naughty Dog. Uh, over on the United cast, we lost 3-2 at home to Galatasaray in the Champions League. We are still in the competition. There is, is it three games or four games. I can't remember. Uh, still a good chunk of games in the group stage. So we'll see what we can do from that. Um, did, a co- uh, bleh, did a podcast called Experiencing Toy Story 1 on the big screen, which is exactly what that was. Uh, that podcast is not a review for the film, but just talking about the nice experience of that and also pointing out some of my favourite moments in the film. So that was that. That's part of Disney 100. Uh, this week's film, I think, is because uh, they're doing uh, one, one, one film for each week, I think, and they're doing Frozen at the moment. So... That's what you can go and watch or whatever. Uh, so there's that one. Uh, and that's what we've been doing recently on entertainmenttalk.org and on podcast platforms. Let's move in some news. gonna say slimmest that's too much of a pun i'm gonna i'm gonna not do that in the most casual uh in the most casual quick kind of plain marketing you've ever seen uh he revealed the playstation 5 slim and what i mean by simple and just quick and whatever is there was a blog post giving you details and there was a 20 second i think it was 20 second um trailer if you call that a, a, a trailer obviously there's not a lot to show here it's just hey here's what this looks like and hey if you want this you know that it's here um it's not a specific advertisement for playstation 5 because the playstation 5 has been out for nearly three years which is kind of wild this is just hey here's this new skew it's slimmer and sleeker if you want that um so there's a digital version which of course helps with the sleekness because you don't have to have a disc drive attached and there is also a um uh disc version which i believe has got a detachable disc drive on it so i guess if you're not using the disc at at that point like if you're I don't know, playing a digital game or something and you want it to look sleeker in that moment even though it's already on your shelf you can detach the disk drive. That just feels a little bit cumbersome to me. But anyway, um, it looks nice. It's good that they got rid of the they got rid of the pointy and they made it more flat uh, with the with the blade bits on the side. It looks a bit 
thinner and well slimmer and sleeker which is the which is the idea um yeah, as people jokingly called it the seto kaiba collars the what seto kaiba is a character from the anime Yu-Gi-Oh, and oh, he's got like yeah. giant giant collars on the coat he wears and his coat is also you know very bleach white so if you just do a google search cool. just do an image search of seto kaiba collars you'll see what i'm talking about mm-hmm. um me personally, I don't need this because I've already got a PS5 and um, I don't usually specifically go for slim models anyway. Um, of course, if you're going for a PS5 and you want the disc version and it happens to be cheaper than the bigger PS5, then I guess you'd go for that. Um, but if you want, if you were annoyed by the PS5 being a bit too pointy and you want something slimmer and sleeker, this is there for you. Um I just, it, it's, again, this is the point of curiosity. If, if you want the detachable disk drive and you're going to be taking it off and on, then that's up to you to figure out. That just feels cumbersome to me. Like, okay, if you've got the thing on your shelf already and it fits and there's nothing, like, in the way of it, and let, let's say you buy a digital game and, you're, okay, I'm going to be playing this for the next couple of weeks and you decide to take off your disk drive, you don't need to do that if it's already on your shelf if the idea is like your entertainment center is a bit smaller or something and you want something slimmer and sleeker then i guess the digital slim version is for you but i just i don't feel i don't quite understand maybe it's just it's just not something that's on my wheelhouse i don't understand the whole sort of take the disc thing off and on i understand if you've got let's say a hard drive you want to plug and unplug or, or whatever um or different other like you know the, the uh, not the power lead the charge lead for your controller and stuff, but because also like okay let's say you decide to take your disk drive off you've still got to put that somewhere so you might as well just leave it on the console. Um, anyway, that is what it is. Uh, what are your thoughts on these two things? Uh, well, there's so much wrong with this that it's not even funny. Um, first off, if you pay close attention to the blog post, like most people have. It does not come with a vertical stand. The vertical stand is a $30 upgrade. Um, oh. And let's say you buy the digital version, but then down the road you decide you wanted a disk drive. That is an $80 upgrade, which makes the digital version with a disk drive external cost more than the actual disk version itself. Um, hmm. So that's a whole lot of wrong, and the cost. They're not cheaper at all. They're actually, technically, if you look at the prices, they are more expensive than the previous models, and they are removing the previous models from the SKU market. So it's only going to be the digital versions. Now, I do commend them for knocking the size down. According to it, um, according to the blog post, it's reduced in volume by 30% and weight by 18% and 24% which I'm guessing for the digital and disc versions. Um, but also, if you think just last month, they announced the color side panels, mm. you know, the Deep Earth collection. Yep. Those will not be usable on the PS5 Slim. Those are just going to be for the original PS5s. So that whole thing no longer has a purpose since they're not selling the original versions anymore, which makes no sense. I guess... Uh, Ebenezer Ryan just had one more kick in the ghoulies to give to everybody before he got the boot out. Hmm. 
Yeah, um, again, these are options if you want them, I suppose. Sony doesn't always get these things right. Um, but if you want it slimmer and sleeker, then that's for you. Because uh, the, mm-hmm. the PS5 is not small. It's not small. Um, it's still smaller than what I thought it was after being, you know, told by people for years that it was, like, massive and really, really heavy. But, um, I, I, I have mine on something in front of my TV, though, so it's not actually, like, in between shelves and stuff. Although my Series X is, but then I've got that on the side, and that's, um, nicely fits in there anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's there if you want it basically but if you've already got a ps5 or you just want to get a normal ps5 then i guess you just go and get that instead so um but yeah sony likes to be a bit fast and loose with um it's called them accessories especially when you again make a psvr2 that is more expensive than the actual console that you need to play on it you know sony does do things like that and they shouldn't uh but i guess business is business or whatever so um there we go Speaking of business, um, we have a new, we have a interesting. Let's call it a situation between EA and Disney. Uh, it says here a Disney acquisition of EA has been floated as an idea, as some of the company are pushing CEO Bob Iger uh, to consider a bolder transformation from gaming license to gaming giant. And it says Iger has been so far non-committal. Uh, there's an article on Bloomberg that you can... These these are footnotes, but this is an article on Bloomberg. So, um, Disney's obviously been playing Monopoly for a good while. Obviously acquiring... Well, they obviously, you know... They, they added Pixar a long time ago. And then they added... I can't remember if it was Marvel or Star Wars first. But they was, those were close together. Uh, no, it was Marvel first, wasn't it? Yeah, they, then Star Wars after. Um, they did that, and then of course the big one, which was Fox, which comes with a lot of stuff, a lot, a lot of stuff. They've also got, you know, parts of Hulu, uh, they've also got all their other channels like ABC, and they've got obviously FX and Fox and other stuff as well, uh, Disney Plus, obviously. Um, how I, I'm trying to think because in terms of games. Which they've they've done a bit more in the last couple of years, Disney, with with, with some game stuff. Um, it's not all been great. Obviously, their deal with EA itself, particularly in terms of Star Wars, um, has not worked out brilliantly. There's been some good games, and then there's been some games that um, didn't go down so well. Do I, 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 I... Right. Let's look at this the both ways around. Does Disney need EA? No. Does Could EA do with having... Being owned by Disney, I think it would benefit EA more than it would benefit Disney, because then they'd have obviously that Disney money behind them. Not that EA specifically needs that, but it would obviously be helpful. But I don't feel I don't feel that. I mean, they got like they they'd gain the EA's IP and stuff like that, which is a hit and miss library, but. If you think about, okay, who would it be? Forget the whole part about like monopolization and business and all that kind of stuff. Who would it, as consumers, be interesting for Disney to get next? And e- I don't think EA is that answer. That would not be something that would be... I mean, it'd be big. It'd be very, very big. I don't feel like it would be specifically exciting, though. Like, I don't know... I mean, they've got the sports stuff, but... <sighs> You gotta remember, Disney's got a lot of different. Because even though, if, even if something let, let's say like let, let's say if um, 
Star Wars struggles to make money for three years or something. Just as an example, Disney still has so many other different avenue uh, revenue avenues rather that they can take some hits in some certain spots um, because they have got just so much stuff, just so 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 much stuff. And in terms of if you just think about this from an interesting IP angle, like okay, would Disney benefit from gaining the EA? So sorry, would Disney benefit from gaining the IP from EA? I don't think so. And also why I'm saying that is because the list of IP that Disney's already got access to is more, apart from like the F, the football games and stuff, because obviously that's one of gaming's juggernauts. I don't know. I, I think there's probably other companies they'd benefit more from getting. But the other part of that is Disney doesn't really need to be acquiring anybody else right now because they've already got so much stuff. So, so, so much stuff. I mean, even if you just look... I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and go through a list, but even if you look just at what IP they got from that Fox acquisition, that list is insane. It's absolutely in, in, insane, the the amount of stuff that they've got from that. Um, like, even if you just forget Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars for a minute, and just Disney itself, and just Fox, that's still a ton of stuff. Um, so I can kind of understand a bit of Iger being a bit non-committal i mean we don't know how much money is being talked about for for this kind of stuff but i don't know there's neither strike i mean it's an interesting talking point but in terms of disney getting ea i don't think that's specifically exciting but i think it would benefit ea more than it would benefit disney who knows maybe i'm looking at it in all entirely in the in the wrong way um what do you think of those prospects or ideas well a few few points of clarification first before i get into that all the Disney games have been licenses. They do not pl- publish. They closed yeah. down their last publishing studio, Disney Infinite Studios Avalanche, back until back in 2016. Was that for so the, all the Disney Infinity games? Infinity game, Infinite game. Yeah, the toy no, thing, Disney yeah. Infinite Studios was the name of it. Um, right. But that's the last publishing division they had. They've shut down all their gaming divisions. Everything has been licenses. Uh, mm, so, partnerships and stuff, yeah. Yeah, partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is that. Second, um, I give Disney being bought, uh, Disney buying EA, a zero chance in hell for several reasons. One, Disney is broke. They have no money. They're not going bankrupt, but they've lost over a billion dollars in their last eight theatrical releases just in the movies. They're bleeding money like crazy in their theme parks. They actually are raising rates in the theme parks to try to make up money because nobody's going to Disney theme parks anymore. Um, They've been losing subscribers left and right on the Disney Plus to the point where they just jacked up those prices. I actually canceled my Disney Plus about two months ago after um, Secret Invasion ended. I just Mm -hmm. couldn't with their stories anymore. Oh, and we're taking 30%. We're jacking up the price 30%, and we're taking half of the old uh, legacy stuff off the streaming service. Yeah, bye-bye. I don't need to spend money on you anymore. Um, and just from the market perspective, their stock is tanking. I mean, it is beyond tanking. If you go l- less than three years ago, March 12th, 2021, their stock was at $197.16. Uh, as of recording, Thursday, uh, November, October 12, 2023, 
their stock is sitting at $84.63. That is less than half of that stock of just 2.5 years ago. And you brought up Fox and Hulu. Technically, uh, Disney does not own all of Hulu. When they did the Fox deal, they bought two-thirds of Hulu. Yeah, and they yeah. still have to pay market rate for that other third. So if Is they, it uh, Comcast? Has got, I think it's Comcast. That's Comcast has it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So if that, third, if that company, if that whole of Hulu valuates at $30 billion, that means Disney is going to have to pay $12 billion for that last third. They do not have $12 billion. Um, and I looked up EA stock. It is currently sitting at $131. It's up a buck, almost two bucks, I'm guessing, because of the rumors. But it's got a market cap of $36 billion. If they don't have the $10 billion to pay for the last bit of Hulu, they don't have the $36 billion to buy out EA. This is somebody just blowing smoke. Um, and if I wind up being wrong, like what I did with the Switch predictions, I will accept being wrong. But I don't see this happening at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disney just does not have the money. Hmm. Um. It's interesting that because I've heard about some of those things that you just you just said. What what I was kind of more talking about is like not necessarily Disney's current business, but like what they are capable of doing. Because if you've got that many, av- I can't speak today, that many revenue streams, that many different places you can get money from, you could potentially turn some of that stuff around quickly. And the See, to, to me, when I started hearing about some of these things over the last couple of years, apparently a fair bit of that kind of fallout is to do with Bob Chapek and certain decisions he was making, because now Bob Iger has had to come out of retirement to basically try and... Yeah, but uh, his decisions have been pretty shit too, so... Mm, yeah, but I, I, had to, I heard some of this started sort of going downhill a bit more when, when, when Chapek took over, hence, the you know, he was there for, what, like a couple of years or something. Um, especially yeah, Chapek can... put the put the boulder on the hill and pushed it over the cliff, mm-hmm. and then Iger just put a rocket ship on it and sent it into the crater. <laughs> yeah, um, but we'll see what Bob Iger can. Uh, uh, Actually, there's rumors that um, Disney's in the middle of a hostile takeover because, like I said earlier, their stock is so much lower. Mm-hmm. Somebody that tried to do a takeover back in February is reattempting that, and now that the stock's that much lower. Um, he was able. They were able to buy more of the stock, and so they're in a stronger position of takeover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. Um, the other stuff I got. Uh, the other uh, last thing I've got is a bit more rumor mill based. Uh, although we've heard about this a few times before, um, we haven't done any rumor mill stuff for a while. But no- nothing has really sort of fit that because in terms of rumor mill, I don't want to just pick up five totally random things off the internet and then just stick them in air. It needs to be something that's actually foreseeable, but something that's not confirmed, hence rumor mill. Uh, Last of Us 2, uh, which I've spoken about once or twice. (laughs) Um, It looks like there's been a few more bits, let's call them bits of chatter about um, this remaster for PS5. Um, There was somebody who had the game on one of their LinkedIn pages. Uh, LinkedIn, is that how you say that? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was also a bit, I think it was a little while ago, uh, Gustavo, the composer for the game, he also 
slightly mentioned doing um or the, the game's existence on on a podcast uh, and there's been some other little bits and pieces as well um some of you may be wondering, okay, I mean, does this game need a remaster or an update? No, but could you make it even better than what it is? Yes, you could in a very interesting, kind of exciting way. Um, the way I would look at what you would do with this, and it's fairly simple, you take all the little bits of PS5 upgrades that Part 1 had, so the PS5 version of Part 1, so the more breakables, chippables, the new character models, obviously the haptic feedback stuff, which I love, including the throat vibration talking thing, which was very surprising, but also very, very cool. Um, maybe some like you know some accessibility stuff, which was in there as well, and some <clears throat> other bits and pieces. You would, well, I'd say simply, obviously, game development is not simple. You would basically <clears throat> put those put those part one features into part two, and that would be that would make that like the definitive, because then both games would have ps4 versions obviously the first one's got a ps3 version but obviously you can't have part two on ps3 because that's not going to work that way um they both then have ps4 versions and they'd both have ps5 versions um i mean heck it's more of an upgrade than certain like native ps5 games get especially when you get like cross-gen stuff um where a game's just sort of shoved onto both onto both systems um would that make me play the game through again i think the answer is very obvious <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna do that anyway before the the show comes back because I want like another refresher on the uh, game before the season two comes back. Um, so I'm gonna do that anyway. If that playthrough happens to end up being for this, then that's very very cool. Um, heck, I'd probably do like a fresh playthrough with the PS5 upgrades and then maybe do a new game plus or something. It also depends as well if you're gonna do a new PS5 upgrade for this. Maybe there's going to be some more trophies and stuff anyway, because even when on uh, the PS4 version of Part Two had um, what you call it, the uh, had like a update, had like photo mode and stuff like that. They added the two different modes, which was grounded and permadiff, and that added those trophies. So um, you could uh, you could do that for um, the, the PS5 version of Part Two in, anyway. So um, especially if they're different. Like, if you've got both games digital, let's say, or both games installed, if the PS5 Last of Us 2 would be a different application, if you want to call it that, it would probably have a separate trophy list anyway. Um, such as when, you know, Part 1 for Last of Us 1 came out and that had a separate trophy list for, uh, as opposed to the PS4 version. Um, I know you're not really into Last of Us and that kind of stuff anywhere near us, why I am. Uh, but what do you think of the prospect of this happening? I, I think it probably will, but I don't know when. Um, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it will, but it won't be anytime soon. Maybe two, three years. Um, just because going for that change is, you know, that's a lot of time. That's a lot of programming, mm -hmm. a lot of QA, a lot of bug fixes. So yep. that's not something yep. you can just snap your fingers and pop out. Very true. Um, there could be some interesting timing. Obviously, there's rumours as well of a part three, which I think will probably happen as well. Um, so you've got a season two coming up in development. You've got this in the works, possibly. You've got part three, possibly, also. You've got Factions 2, which is in its own state. Um, it doesn't quite completely make sense to release something right now. Um... Because, the, the, I mean, there's always, like, you know, talk of Last of Us and stuff. But the buzz around the franchise returned a bit more when the when the first season 
came out. Obviously, that was covering the first game. What would make sense for this is you wait for Season 2 to come out and then put this update out. Whether that update would then be a new version of it with Factions 2, or if that comes out close to that, because then you just keep on doing the you know, buzz, more buzz with The Last of Us, maybe that would work. And then in a few years' time, sorry, a few years after that, or a year after that or so, you do Season 3, and then eventually you do Part 3, and then you would do probably more seasons from, from there. But I don't think... Even though people would be very excited, let's say, if this version came out tomorrow, um, I think it would be interesting and more ideal if you... Well, if you, if you release the, an update for a game that connects to your second season, because that's that same plotline, that's what would make sense to me. So, um, But then I'm not a business person, let's say. And I also don't work for Naughty Dog. So uh, we'll see what happens. But there's lots of stuff still potentially in the pipeline for Last of Us. Um, obviously, we know Season 2 is coming out. Uh, we don't know any casting news or anything yet for the second season because there's going to be quite a lot of casting news uh, for for that season. So we shall see. Anyway, that's my news this week. Robert, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, first up, game engine maker Unity Company has announced that CEO John Riccatello will retire from his prominent position at the company effective immediately. Mm. Riccatello will retire as president, chief executive officer, chairman, and member of the company's board of directors. In short, Unity's unpopular and and controversial CEO is out, Um, which makes sense given that Riccatello is ultimately the person at the top of the reason why they had a uh, why every game developer is angry with them right now. Now, did you see any of that news with Unity Engine about a month ago? I glimpsed some of it, but I didn't really take it in necessarily. Yeah, I, I read into it. I never decided to bring it up on the podcast. Because I knew this, what we're talking about now, Riccatello leaving, would be the ultimate end. Uh, so I was just going to wait for the inevitable conclusion to get to. <laughs> so basically, yeah. Unity Engine is what you see a lot in VR software. It's what's used in the Oculus Rift. And with game engines, a company will buy a license based off of number of users or if they can buy a bulk license, do that. So Unity decided to change its business model and then charge every single time the engine was installed to be used. So let's say, you know, your computer fries and you have to reinstall Unity, that's another charge. Um, You do an upgrade and you move it to another system, that's another charge. And then when asked how are they going to track that, Unity basically just said, trust us, we know, wink. Um, And Riccatello is basically a ping pong ball. I had I've heard the name before, and I couldn't place it, so I pulled up his uh, his uh, Wikipedia page. So he was president and CEO of Wilson Sporting Goods, which is a national um, sports equipment store here in the states. Uh, back in '93, he then moved to CEO of Sara Lee Corporation, which is a pastry and baked good companies in '96. He then joined Electronic Arts as CEO in 97. So obviously keeping a job down is, you know, really in his skill set until 2004. He left that company to co-found Elevation Partners, which is a private equity firm, along with Roger McNamee and Bono, of all people. Um, Riccatello then returned to EA to serve as CEO from 07 
2013 when the board of directors accepted his resignation because of the company's financial performances. Uh, following that, he worked as an advisor to startup companies because clearly he's successful, changing jobs every other year. Um, then he founded, then he became CEO of Unity Technologies in 2014. Um, during his tenure, he oversaw two fundraising rounds, uh, raising $181 million in 2016 and $400 million in 2017. Uh, he worked to get, like I said, the Unity game engine into Oculus Software Development Kit. Um, so he's been pioneering that, and he's been uh, the CEO of Unity from 2013 till now when he uh, left. Hmm. So he has been all over. He's cared more about that CEO title than the company he's worked for, from what I can gather of his career profile. Because hmm. you don't leave a company... You don't become a CEO of a company and then leave to become a CEO of another company of a completely different field. Because trust me, outside of post-game snacks, there's no real relation between sporting goods and pastries. <laughs> I mean, yeah. those are... You, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find two more unrelated fields. It's like mechanic and massage therapy. They're, they're just that unrelated. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones that are like totally different. Um, yeah. yeah, as I said, I don't know like a ton about this guy or about specifically what happened. I did see that he essentially pissed loads of people off, and this is like like you said, you were waiting for this kind of inev inevitably to to kind of happen. Um, so I guess he's move moving on again. Yeah, back um, in uh, 2022, he had to apologize for calling. Game developers, quote, fucking idiots. That is a direct quote from him. Mm, that's not a good thing to say when you're in the field. Nope. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so, but as I say, you know, I've, I, I've said it once, I'll say it again, and I'll probably say it in the future. Sometimes you just need to remove the person at the top of the tree. I was going to say the head yeah. of the tree. That doesn't really, that's not how I want to say that. Um, <clears throat> Blizzard. <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a certain Mr. Bobby. Um, yeah, it, it'd be, it'd be, so, I'd be so, so, so curious to see. Let's say five years after Kotich is gone, what Activision looks like, or heck, even a year after he's gone, like, or if, if, if hopefully he does end up, because the situation isn't completely, completely clear. But let's say he does go, um, what Activision turns into. Um, and what Call of Duty looks like after that as well, because it's obviously their big, their big, big thing. Um, but yeah, sometimes you just need to do that in order to uh, make things better. So as much as things can be up to, you know, normal level executives and other people like that, um, if things are just going too bad, then you, you need to change the top of the top of the uh, top of the tree. So um it's a bit like with i i guess manchester united you know got a decent sometimes you gotta clear the forest to let it grow yeah yeah um it's just like with manchester united got a, a good manager who's trying to do some stuff got some good players who are trying to do some stuff some decent people running the club but what's the big problem it's the owners the people at the top and once you change yeah. them then you can start filtering out other people who don't necessarily quite fit the bill and then you can hopefully make it all better but sometimes, yeah, unfortunately for you guys, unlike here in the states with the NFL, they the the collective owners can actually force another owner out. 
which mm. just happened with Washington's team uh, last year. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. I thought you might. Yeah, uh, but no, sometimes these things cost lots and lots of money to do. So, um, yeah. Anyway, let's move on. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, another thing that's interesting is if you're a big fan of Stardew Valley, then there is going to be a um, concert series going off uh, globally. It is called the Stardew Valley Festival of Seasons. It is described as an inter- intimate, blah, 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 I can't talk, intimate, immersive live concert featuring fresh arrangements and the most cherished songs from the game's mesmerizing soundtrack. Festival of Seasons website says, curated by Concert Ape, which I don't know what that is, the concert program will take you on a musical journey through the four seasons of the valley, its unforgettable festivals, and beloved villagers. Um, so they do have a list up. It's a uh, there is a limited performance list. I don't know that it will uh, be extended. Um, there's six concerts in America, two in Canada, two in Australia, one in London, and a to-be-determined date in South Korea and Thailand. Um, so I actually got a curiosity, because I don't live anywhere near any of the ones that are in uh, the states. I looked up the one in London. It's a place called Cadogan Hall. It is described as a 900-seat venue, two minutes from the walk from Sloan Square Tube Station, in the heart of Chelsea. So that geography means nothing to me. Ah, so, Chelsea, Mr. Todd Bowley. <laughs> that's that's who uh, owns Chelsea. Yeah, that that like I said, that geography. I have no frame of reference. That's so just. The one show in London on April 29th. Hmm. Cool. Uh, so, if you want to go to that, then you very much can. Um, it's not as... and find it's a stardewvalleyconcert.com. You can see dates and times, and if there's one near you and you're a big fan of the game, I would definitely um, get tickets now rather than later because from the ones that I'm seeing here in the States, these are not big venues. Mm. And the one I looked up in London, 900 seats is not small, but, you know, I've seen 90, 100,000, you know, seat capacity concerts pop off before. 900 is very, very small and intimate. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is, is Stardew Valley like, because I don't know that much about it, is it particularly musical? I know it is, but generally... I turn the music off in most games because really? I find it oh. either distracting or annoying. Hmm. Okay. Um, I maybe turn the music down or something sometimes. Like if if it's louder than certain dialogue or something, I I, I maybe do that. Um, but uh, no, don't usually turn it off particularly. Um, what's the one sound that I do turn? Off? I I usually have like master volume at the same. If it's a game like COD, let's say, I, I do lower the dialogue volume because I don't need to hear that if I'm in, in a match. Um, I keep the chat volume up, keep the effects volume up, um, and then music still on but a bit lower just because it's nice and dramatic and fun and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, for any Stardew Valley fans, uh, there you go. It's not a game I've personally really looked at much at all. So, um, there we go. All right, what else did you want to talk about? Uh, well, the last thing I have to talk about is from the desk of Midlife Crisis. 
Uh, two weeks I like after when announcing, you, I like when surprise. you describe these different desks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm creative. It's, it's, I, kind, it's I, kind of a staple of yours now. Well, I grew up. I spent a lot of time growing up with my grandmother, who had a master's in English and a bachelor's in French. So I can be garrulous when I need to. So <laughs> anyway, uh, two weeks after announcing his surprise exit from Platinum Games, the studio he co-founded back in the mid 2000s, Hideki Maya, has departed in the most Hideki Kayama way ever. He peeled out of the Platinum's parking lot in a Lamborghini, announcing that he is off to the unemployment center and announced his brand new YouTube channel. In his first video on the channel, he appeared to be reveling in his newfound joblessness, carrying around a box of anime and movie figurines he had presumably cleared from his office. He told the camera that he had an ace few months, sat in front of the TV since deciding to quit, I've been watching Netflix, YouTube, Disney Plus, and stuff like that. I've already lost what I've already lost track of what day it is. God, that's the dream, isn't it? Hmm. I, I just I, find that utterly hilarious. I guess <clears throat> I guess for some people it is, yeah. Um yeah. that's literally the idea of retirement is okay, keep somewhat of a track of the time and the day and stuff, I guess, but um is to not worry about what you're doing and when, I guess, because it means that you don't have to be anywhere on any particular time. Um, I do know, I've had conversations with people that are retired that sort of, okay, just because you're retired, it doesn't mean that you want to get up at 2, 3 in the afternoon or something. Some, people mm -hmm. sometimes still do like, okay, get no, you don't need to get up like 6 or 7 or something, but still get up like early enough to seize the day as it were. Um, but heck, some people work completely different schedules and sleep at completely different times. So, um, yeah, and we talked about this different. a while yeah. ago when we were doing some stuff like hidden gems on mm. Netflix, and I mentioned that one uh, manga, uh, Samurai Gourmet, and I related to it really well because my dad, oh, I remember that, yeah, yeah, young, and I was home at the time because I had other things going on. And so watching a man that I had watched, you know, grown up watching work 50, 60 hours a week for the better part of 30 years suddenly have literally all the time and not know what to do with it, I could really relate to that show. Mm. And that's kind of what he's going through right now. He's like, I got to imagine co-founding a company. You're putting a little bit more than 50, 60 hours a week into the office. And that's, yeah. you know, 23 years ago, give or take. Mm. And mm. now he's just like, I have all this time. What do I do? Yeah. Well, to me, you <clears throat> do all the things you didn't have time for before, but then you can also take your time doing those things. So, yep. um, yeah, I remember that. You just reminded me of that samurai. I remember I quite enjoyed that. Um, it was kind of like interestingly relaxing in a in a certain way. So, it's a very chill show. I don't know if yeah. it's still on Netflix or if they pulled it. Mm, yeah. So there we go. But uh, happy retirement to different people, I suppose. Uh, cool, you said that's the last thing you've got. We've got a yep. couple of bits of feedback. Let's get in. let's crack on with those. Uh, if you'd like to write into the show, let us know about anything we've talked about. Let us know what you're playing, what you're going to be playing in this upcoming busy period. Uh, are you going to get the play PlayStation 5 Slim? There's lots of different questions you could ask us, so feel free to do so. Uh, Matthew at entertainmenttalk.org, uh, Twitter eTalkUK, and there's information in your show notes. Becky writes in first and says, uh, at what point do you think Microsoft slash Xbox slash Game Pass uh, starts firing on all cylinders? With a ton of studios owned, do you think Xbox's game output should be higher? 
Um, interesting you mention this. I remember before, I think it was just before Starfield came out, and obviously Phil Spencer was talking and stuff like that. I mean, he always talks, but it's a big moment for Xbox just before Starfield came out. And he kind of admitted that, like, hey, 2022 was a little too, it was a little too empty, a little bit too dry, and we're looking to get some, start getting some of these games out. Um, because they have, I wouldn't say they've started off the Series X thing weak, but they've started it off slow. Because they've had, they've come out with some decent stuff, but it's just been a bit slow, and we're, and we're waiting for those really big games to start coming out. But, you know, from the last couple of Xbox showcase things, we've got, we know we've got Hellblade 2 on the way, there's always going to be a new Forza game, we know we've got, um, what's called the Fable, obviously, that got a sort of revived trailer, we know we've got, um, probably, hopefully, Gears 6 at some point, um, they've got to figure out what to do with Halo as well, though, that seems yeah. to be a little bit in limbo. Um, uh, Forza, the next Forza game's coming out in a few days. Yeah, yeah, we got Oh, that. and uh, speaking of uh, Hellblade... If you haven't played the first one and you're curious on it, um, I don't know about in the UK, but in the States, it's currently on an 85% off sale. Mm. You can buy it for $4.50. Yeah. So if you're yeah. any bit interested in the game, no excuse to not buy it at four, four and a half bucks. Yeah. Isn't it also on Game Pass? I, it is on Game Pass, but if you don't have Game Pass, right, right. then you know, $4.50, you're not breaking the bank. <laughs> yeah. So is that coming out? Um, so, but it was good to hear Phil Spencer kind of talk about that and not sort of shy away from from it, um, which some CEOs would would be a bit more mm -hmm. quiet on it. But we'll see what happens next year. I mean, there's always there's there is this tiring conversation of like when is it going to be kind of Xbox's year? Um, but they did show off some more stuff recently, so um, hopefully soon. It, it, at least we know of some of the title rather than saying like okay what is coming out next it's we know what it is but when is it i suppose yeah. so it's just about waiting for waiting for those games and you know as i always say you just can't rush these things there's there's yeah. no and... there's no there's no point if you force fable out the door if you force fable fable to, um hellblade 2 out the door if you force all these games out the door and they're not working properly or they're not good in good in good state then don't bother releasing them uh because by just the way you said that you were going to try Redfall. Did you ever get around to doing that? I remember that I did say that to you, and then I totally forgot to do anything about that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, but... I mean, you know, you're talking about games not coming out right. Redfall didn't come out right. Yeah. No, um, I sort of well, forgot that game existed, to be yeah. honest. Although Even... they did just do a huge update for it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the thing with Microsoft is they don't pressure people into doing, you know, the formulaic stuff. you got to remember, we, and we talked about this before, the same game developer that did The Evil Within and uh, Tokyo Ghostwire did Hi-Fi Rush. You know, they let them do what they want. And, you know, it, it'll never win, but Hi-Fi Rush is, you know, my Dark Horse game of the year for this year. So, Cool. <clears throat> cool. Are you, like, scratching your arm? Yeah, I'm scratching okay. my skin. <laughs> Sorry, I, don't, I can't believe the mic's picking that up. Yeah, and I remember when you did that before and you were surprised that it picked, picked it up. So, anyway... Um, but yes, the good thing is we know what's coming up, we just don't know exactly when. But again, you cannot rush these things, because if you put bad games out, then you make your reputation worse, and you just make everything worse. So, we'll see. Harrison says, um, you talked last year, in brackets I think, about games coming and going like Deathloop and Ghostwire. What games do you think have done that this year? Um, in, in not the same context, but Redfall. 
has has done that. That was one of like, oh, new like Bethesda game or whatever. Obviously that that came and went for a different reason. It was because it wasn't mm-hmm. good and people stopped playing it because people didn't enjoy it. Um, you could sort of say the same thing about Gollum again. That was kind of, the the differences with those two games is you heard about how bad those games were and they became car crash games of like oh yeah. gotta check this out to see how bad it is which fine if that's what you want to do then that's that's fine um but yeah both those games have kind of come and gone but but because they were bad and w- once the once the funny talk of like oh look how bad this is had stopped then people had stopped talking about those um, you just reminded me about that did you see that the developer of Gollum issued a, a public apology about the game and it turns out they used a chat gpt to write the apology Ah, <laughs> uh, you can't even. That's not like the cherry on top. Apologize correctly. Like that was that game that that I couldn't have topped that any better. Wow, wow. Um, so there's that one. Um, in a bit of a different context, Hi-Fi Rush did get like some talk and some some decent praise. There's, the talk of that has kind of stopped. Um, yeah, again, not, not, not because it's a bad game, just because people have finished it, I suppose, and kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's a short game with no DLC and no. I mean, it's repel, replayability if you like, you know, the rhythm combo thing. But it's not like you're going back for story elements you might have missed or anything like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, if it ever hits like a five ten dollar sale, I'd recommend buying it because I think it's it's very much worth the thirty dollars that it is now as a non sale. Um, so it's a very affordable game. Um, and if you like rhythm-based combat, you know, music's really good with it. Just uh, not talking about like soundtracks, but it's you know your your main weapon is a guitar that you whack people with, and it does guitar mm-hmm. riffs on different uh, attacks and combos and whatnot. So it's very musically inclined, even if it doesn't have like song songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much worth the uh, you know the investment, even if the the people naming all the characters need to get out of the Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for people that don't get that reference. I um, don't, but <laughs> characters in the in the game are chai, peppermint, cinnamon, macaron, biscotti. Oh. One of those names is fake. Only one. Okay. Okay. Um, in terms of other games, th- those are the ones I can sort of think of. Um, have you have you got any that ones that for, for one reason or another people have kind of I I guess like Diablo Four's one maybe. Uh, yeah, Diablo Far, but they kind of did it themselves with their passes and some of the microtransactions in it. Okay. And then apparently like a new big update came out, but nobody was happy with it. Hmm. Um, plus, when it comes to anything RPG, Baldur's Gate 3 is just stomping them into the dirt. Yep, yep. So, there's that. People are finding oh. hilarious exploits with that. Like there's this, in chapter, this isn't a spoiler, um, because it's just a weapon. There's a in chapter two. There's a weapon that you can get called the Twist of Fortune, to where once a day you can do a specialized attack on a character, and it does bonus damage the more gold they have on them. Mm. So people are reverse pitpocketing, where you pickpocket, but you put money into their pockets, and they're dumping like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand gold pieces into their pocket. Then they do that hit, and they're one-shotting bosses. It's hilarious. Cool. And there's cool. another exploit because it's part of the game mechanics to where if you attack from an elevated position, um, you do more damage. So there's this a meme that's been going around called From the Top Rope to where you find a really, really high position 
and then you just dive bomb on people. There's this hilarious clip where this druid shapeshifts into an owlbear, which is literally a bear with the face of an owl. And then another druid casts a spell on it to enlarge it, and then it jumps from a great height and does 900 damage on a boss in one attack. Nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, <clears throat> Ryan says, first time, long time, any story predictions for Spider-Man, and what do you think they could do for Spider-Man 3? Um, probably uh, Goblin and Carnage for 3. Because mm-hmm. um, sometimes, I, I don't know how this follows traditionally, if you're going to do a Spider-Man trilogy, uh, uh, to me it doesn't matter which way around you do them, you do Doc Ock, Goblin, and Venom. But you you do them so those are the main villains for each three of the things. Um, I think the formula does follow that at least for the Sam Raimi films, yeah. So because um, you've got Venom in this, you've got like other villains like you've got Craven, you've got a few other people. Um, you've had Doc Ock so far. You've got Venom in this one. So if you had Goblin in the third, that would be quite cool. Um, in terms of predictions, um, there's been some people saying that they think that Peter ends up becoming Venom. I don't agree with that. I think it... Plus, we've seen him... Unless it's a misdirect, we've seen him fighting Venom anyway. We do know, obviously, from the trailers that um, Pete does get the suit at one point. We don't know how or why or what the, what happens with that. But we know Miles is still around. Um, heck, maybe Miles ends up with the Venom suit and we haven't seen it yet. There could be a whole bunch of different things that happen. Um, I I wonder if... Because Norm, Norman's in this game, isn't he? Yes, because he's Harry's dad. If you do the slightly more... Depends what you think is traditional Spider-Man. Let's say Harry is Venom for this game. Which it looks possible. But again, we don't completely know. You do that. You keep Norman alive. And he is just... The Green Goblin in in Spider Man Three, but then, um, what's Carnage's name? Name is it Maximus something or other? I'm trying to think of from the second Venom film what he's called. Uh, uh I don't remember. I never saw either film. It's like Max something or other. Well, whatever Venom uh, Carnage's name is. If you do um Craven and Venom for this game, and then the next game, which possibly is the finale, we don't know how many games they want to do. You do uh, Green Goblin and you do Carnage. I don't know how those two villains would tie into the same game. Um, but it would kind of make a somewhat a sense to me if you do Venom for this and then you do Carnage for the next one. Uh, that doesn't that doesn't mean Venom has to die or something. He could still be around. Um, but then you do that as kind of the big finale. So we'll see. Um, any um, thoughts, any predictions for two and what you think they could do for three? Uh, no predictions for two. Um, I'm hoping that it gets to the point where I can play it on my PC because I don't really want to have to buy a PS5 to play this game, but I do really want to play this game. Mm. I just, you know, it's 500 bucks to buy the game and then another 70 bucks to buy the, uh, you know, 500 bucks to buy the console and then another, That's another all the way around. 70 bucks <laughs> to buy the uh, yeah. uh, game. Yeah. Something I would love to see, um, and I've actually asked a few people who know more about comics than I do, and they don't know that that's ever happened. Um, when they announced, and we talked about this before as well, uh, when they announced Craven as one of the characters, one of the bad guys in this, I would love to see a storyline where a different symbiote suit, not uh, Venom, not uh, Carnage, attaches right. itself to Craven. Because if you think of Craven's skill set yeah. and mindset, 
with the powers of a symbiote suit. Oh damn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you should you right. should uh you should email in some <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I tell any if you know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody, go ahead and tell it. I don't need credit. I just wanna see that. Mm. I haven't bought a comic in twenty years. I would buy the hell out of that. Nice. Yeah, that's a pretty cool idea. Um See, it'd be interesting for... I don't dislike Craven, but if you were to ask me to name a bunch of Spider-Man villains that I like and care about, Craven's not on that list. So I'm hoping they can... And I trust Insomniac will do something good with Craven. I'm just not personally interested in Craven, but I'm more interested yep. in, in Venom. So, But as a character arc, you can, you can see the logical step because life is about challenges. I mean, if you look at everything we do, it's, you know, we enter sports because we love challenges. We take certain career paths because we love the work and we love the challenge of what it does. And Craven being a hunter, he likes pitting himself against animals. And then you take that psychologically wrong step to go against sentient creatures like humans. Then you take that next logical wrong step to do against superpower creatures. You know, you, it's obviously wrong. You shouldn't be killing humans or animals um, for the most part. Unless they're like trying to kill you, but you can follow that logic train, which makes the character make sense. You don't even have to like the character, but the motivations make sense um, you, mm. if you accept that mindset. Uh, and and again, no, it's you know I'm not the biggest Craven fan, but it makes sense in terms of you know that's why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um... I'm I'm just very personally I think this is the best version. Of, we, excuse me, this is going to be the best version of Venom we've had ever in anything. That's that's what I think. Uh, have you ever of... seen the '90s Spider-Man cartoon? I have not. I was just going okay, to admit I haven't seen everything of it, but that was a pretty um, good Venom run. Yeah, it's just like t tonally. I know we haven't seen a lot of this Venom, but tonally, that is exactly what I want Venom to be like. Mm -hmm. uh, and what I want him to look like, not oh, this sort, not not this Sony, like put him in a shadow thing, like shadowy scene, so we don't have to light him properly to to save money or whatever. Um, I did, by the way, I can't remember if I mentioned I did see the trailer for that Craven thing, and it didn't really do anything for me. Um, I didn't see Morbius. I don't know if I ever plan to. I um, didn't watch it. It's it's interesting to see Matt Smith in a different mindset. But outside of that, it's uh -huh. not really worth watching. Yeah, yeah. I just... Just put this stuff in the MCU and just get on with it. Like, if you're going to do this thing of sort of Venom isn't properly going to be in the MCU and Spider-Man isn't properly going to be in that, then it just they isn't going to... They did have him for three seconds at the end of No Way Home. Yeah. Hopefully they do something with that. But again, it's Sony trying to do a deal with... Marvel slash mm -hmm. Disney, so it's I I get it, it's it's business, but I think you could just, you could do even better if you put them together. Um, so anyway, that could be very cool. All right, that's what we have got for you for this week's episode of Gaming Talk. Lots and lots of stuff. We'll see what happens next week. Uh, I'm planning on I'll at least dip my toe in Assassin's Creed. Um, what's the new one called again? I've completely I've completely not forgotten what it's called. Origins? No. No. Why have I forgotten the name? The newest one. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything either. 
which is weird because I watched Access stream it this week or last Mirage. week. Mirage. Mirage, that's what it's called, yes. Uh, I'll be checking some of that out, uh, hopefully getting past that boss in Lies of P. The COD 3 beta is still open, so I might do some stuff with that. Uh, then Spider-Man's out next week, and I'll be planning on playing that. So lots and lots of still stuff still to do. Uh, you can find all of our content related to those things and more on entertainmenttalk.org. For TV, games, films, Mary Night podcasts, check out what we do and whatnot. Uh, support what we're doing. You can support what we're doing either by listening to more episodes. There's a dozen of them on the site, different menus and whatnot to have a browse through. Uh, word of mouth, social media, tell other people what we're doing and that kind of stuff patreon five dollar ten dollar level tiers actually podcast review options look for that as well if you'd like to uh tv and film news uh big big episode this week episode 400 of geek town radio which was me gray and david i will not give spoilers or context to the podcast just go and listen to it and go and have a good time that's geek town radio episode 400 those usually land on tuesdays and also you can visit of course geektown.co.uk for all of your TV and film news. Bex um, is also on Twitch and other places. She's always busy doing lots of cool stuff. Uh, I think she's at an event or something this week as well, which is very cool. Um, you can find her on Twitch and other platforms, Trista, B-Y-T-E-S, for all of her different work and whatnot. You can find me occasionally on Twitch at UK and YouTube Entertainment Talk Plays. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>